My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. consider myself a good neighbor, or at least I aspire to be, so when my young friend Hank prevailed upon me to mind his daughter Ambrosia, age five, while he attended to his better half in labor with their second offspring at Zare County Hospital, I acquiesced. Acquiesced with an addendum, for I brook no nonsense, said I, and if she is recalcitrant, as are so many of today's youth, I shall have to discipline her. Do what you must, says Hank, but please do not be too harsh, for she is the darling of my heart. We shall see, says I, we shall see. And so the tow-headed tot emerged from Hank's truck, a tiny thing, attired incongruously in overalls and a pink hair bow. You recall Daddy's friend, Farmer Gray, says Hank. Well, he will be caring for you while Mama and I are at the hospital, welcoming your new sibling to God's great bounty. The last said nothing, staring at me with eyes so blue as to be slightly unnerving. I noted that beneath one arm she held a small book, and it pleased me that she had brought her own entertainment, for I was ill-equipped to occupy the child's time. Goodbye, Farmer Gray, says Hank, as he climbed into his pickup. When I return, I shall be twofold the daddy. And he drove off, leaving me to fend for myself with little Ambrosia. Well, youngster, says I to she, this is a working farm, and I have work to do. I'm glad you brought that book, for I've no time to indulge you. First, I must attend to the livestock, for I milk the cow daily so that we may imbibe of her largesse. And with that I headed for the barn with Ambrosia at my heels. Francis the cow awaited, and I pulled up a stool and placed a bucket so that I might commence my labors. Stand clear, I ordered, for Francis is delicate of constitution and easily spooked, and so might withhold if you are too near. The tyke heeded my admonition, stepping well back as I belabored the utters. I noted that Francis seemed not at all nonplussed by the girl's presence, and in fact bestowed her milk as liberally as ever, winter or summer. When at last I had collected all of the cow's salubrious prize, the little girl piped up, "'May I try?' "'May I try,' says she, eschewing the coarser articulation. "'Can I try?' "'Well, I decided to accede to her request, and such was my reasoning. First, I was of a mind to reward a query that was both politic and polite.' Secondly, and more important, I knew that Frances had already surrendered all of her milk. Little Ambrosia would squeeze the udders and come up empty, and in doing so, ascertain a valuable truth, that life is replete with disappointment, inescapable save for the balm of Jesus' love. So I let her take my place on the stool, the milk bucket still poised beneath the udders, and her little hands went to work in a simulacrum of what she had seen me do. 
I steeled myself for the inevitable chagrin and despondent cry, for today's children are a pampered lot, unused to adversity. So it was to my stupefaction when I heard the unmistakable sound of liquid on metal, for Francis was meeting out an additional lactotic moiety. Beginner's luck, thinks I, though I could not help but wonder, briefly, if the girl possessed some preternatural talent for coaxing nectar from the bovine teat. When finally Francis had provided her last and the milk was safely stored, I apprised the child of what this day would entail. You see that device attached to that machine, says I? You must sit quietly and await my return, for I will be employing them in the field today, employing them so the earth does not lie fallow. You mean, says the tyke, the plow hooked to the tractor? Why, yes, says I, again surprised. You know about plows and tractors? Sure, replies Ambrosia, the picture of vernal confidence. She then pointed to the machinery situated about the barn. That's a tractor, that's a plow, that's a harrow, and that's a tiller. Well, the sound of my jaw dropping must have echoed through the county. The child knew agronomical equipment, despite having spent no more time on the farm than a Chicago pigeon. So I asked how she was cognizant of such things, and with that she showed me the little book she was carrying. It was entitled Ulysses on the Farm, and as it turned out, followed the misadventures of a mongrel canine, the titular Ulysses on Billy and Betty's Freehold, the homestead situated in some fictional purlieu that brooks such monkey shines. And what is a child from town doing with such a book, asked I. And Ambrosia replied, I want to be a farmer when I grow up. I think you mean a farm wife, I corrected, but she insisted with all the bravado of childhood, no, I mean a farmer. Well, I was both impressed and perplexed, impressed by her erudition and bumfuzzled by her aspiration, and so I cooked up a plan to address said ambition. I would permit the bairn to accompany me on a day at the plow, thus stoking her intellectual ardor for the farm while impressing upon her the inappropriateness of a female presence in the field. The little miss, ignorant of my ulterior motive, literally jumped for joy when I informed her that she would be joining me on the tractor. I say literally, for she leapt skyward in thrall to her elation and let out a whoop that rattled the barn timbers. So it was that barely a half hour later, Ambrosia was sitting by my side as I maneuvered the plow across ten acres of sorghum field, or so I intended to plant. Anyway, the girl was positively wide-eyed and... To my bewilderment had, not, bewilderment had not, even hours later, tired of the labor or begged to occupy the farmhouse kitchen. In fact, the young lady, cocky as you please, asked if she might have a turn at the wheel. Aha, thinks I, she wants to steer the plow. I shall indulge her request, and young Ambrosia will soon surmise how inappropriate is a female hand at the tractor. So it was that I acquiesced, and before I could switch seats with the child, she had taken it upon herself to climb into my lap and grasp the steering wheel. 
grab it with all the elan of a farmhand decades at the job. I expected, quite reasonably, that we would immediately go amiss with the tractor veering off in all directions. But, well, sir, well, sir, I'm here to say that no such mishap occurred, and the tractor kept to its path, traveling straight as a fifty-cent ruler. So we kept on that way, and what had begun as a momentary forbearance eventuated into a solid half-acre of pediatric agronomy. I think, says I, a bit guiltily, that I have forever ruined you for the kitchen. Uh Uh-huh, says she, incognizant of the statement's import. That night, as we sat at the table consuming evening repast, I was relieved to observe her polite manners and gift for conversation as she related the antics of various animated cartoon personalities in between expressions of approbation for the farm life. It suggested that, despite her unnatural skills at the plow, she would mature into her womanly charms and not endure a life without husband and family. Amidst the chatter, she asked whether she would be required to take her evening bath. "'Can you do it yourself?' I asked. "'Mama helps me,' said she. "'Well, with Elspeth still hiding in the storm cellar from the North Koreans, there was no female presence to aid in her ablutions.' So I replied, no, you will not require a bath. And let me tell you, so delighted was she at the prospect of hygienic abnegation, you'd have thought I'd informed her that Christmas was coming twice this year. Anyway, after repast, we listened to the radio, for, as you know, I do not endorse modern television and its invasive cables. Not in my home. So it was the radio that entertained us with wholesome Christian music, in fact, from the local AM station, which is devoted to such come evening, when the conservative talk shows syndicated from the big city have spent their wisdom for the day. Little Ambrosia, ensconced in the big leather cathedral Elspeth occupied before she took to the cellar, listened quietly until a certain Hold You Up by Mr. Matthew West began to play, at which moment the girl was so seized by the performer's virtuosity that she jumped from her chair and began to dance. I appreciated her enthusiasm, but felt that her childish gyrations were inappropriate to the sacred motif, so I obliged by rising from my chair and offering to teach the girl a real dance. "'Oh, yes!' cried she. "'A real dance!' And so it was, right there in the sitting room, that old Farmer Gray taught five-year-old Ambrosia the two-step waltz, a promenade of dignity and precision. Well, she took to it, just as she had farm work, demonstrating remarkable duality with all things male and female. Yes, sir, thinks I, there's hope for the last yet. Now, a child is energy incarnate, but not so old farmers, so presently I fell back in my chair and, without intending to, nodded off for for a time. An hour, I think, for when I awoke, the tot was no longer in the sitting room. Young Ambrosia calls I. Where have you gone? In here, shouted she from the guest room, wherein she was to sleep that night. I wandered in to see why the gal had abandoned the Christian corrals and saw... "'What did I see? "'Sheets and blankets pulled from the bed and hung tent-like. 
So then, thinks I, the young lady is recalcitrant after all, misbehaving in the most egregious fashion. What have you done, my girl, says I, in my sternest timber, for this conduct looks to be quite froward. Oh, says she, I have made a fort. Would you like to come and see? Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, a fort, a fort. A fort devised from simple bedroom linens, a turn of offense that transformed my ire into admiration, for never had I suspected that a tyke so small could appreciate the defensive posture our great nation must assume to protect our freedom from the sinister forces of autocracy. It was all I could do not to shed a tear at such patriotism. "'Come in and play,' says she, "'crawling through the maw of the Erzat citadel. "'I shall,' says I, "'following her lead and setting down beside her. "'Do you like it?' she asked. "'Why, yes,' says I. "'It's as fine a structure as President Donald J. Trump's wall. "'And though I did not let on, "'I saw great hope for a generation so fervently American.' I could only pray that her new brother and sister would demonstrate even half of her talents and proclivities, for then theirs would be an honorable family indeed. For her part, Ambrosia made a finger gun and began shooting through the entrance of the fort at perceived enemies on the attack. I joined her until she informed me that all of the invaders had been vanquished. But they may come back, says she, so we'd better be on the lookout. "'Shall we take turns at the watch?' I asked, and the gal nodded before loosening a great yawn. "'Who shall stand sentinel first? says I, looking through the embouchement. But when I turned back to her, I saw that she had already curled up and gone to sleep. "'Then I shall stand at the ready,' says I, "'and wake you only if the enemy broaches the threshold. "'I did not mind, after all. I did not mind a bit.' Next morning, Hank returns in his pickup, proud as any new daddy could be, his better half Margie, looking tired but grateful, and the new addition to their family cosseted in a child's seat. Little Ambrosia ran to greet them, marveling at being a big sister to what turned out to be another girl, so tiny as to be swept away by a whisper and squalling mightily through a healthy pair of lungs. She arrived at two this morning, says Hank, "'dark eyes betraying a lack of sleep. Six pounds, five ounces. "'Name?' asked I. "'Toby Sue,' replies he. "'After my grandmother, rest her soul. "'A right fine moniker,' says I, "'and a reminder of elders past. "'I hope Ambrosia wasn't too much trouble,' says Hank. "'Oh, not too much,' says I. "'Not inordinately.' "'Were you called upon to discipline her?' asked the new daddy. "'For I know you do not tolerate behaviors that others might indulge.' "'Oh, uh, no, no,' I replied. I, "'I saw no need. She is a good enough child. "'Relative to her compatriots, of course.' "'Of course,' says Hank. "'Ambrosia was now in the pickup's cab, out of earshot, out of earshot and bouncing up and down, "'which was not calming her hours-old sister in the least.' Uh, Hank, says I, you're aware, I think, of my sentiments regarding females at the plow. Yes, indeed, Farmer Gray, says he. There's not a person in town unapprised of your beliefs on the matter. 
and being such a fine farmer, your opinions have garnered great respect in the community. Yes, says I, sure, but I just wanted to mention that your daughter Ambrosia... I mean, if if hypothetically there was a gal who might take to the plow while retaining all the charms of her gender, who, who could span the gap between females and farm work, well, young Ambrosia... Yes, says Hank. Oh, never mind, says I. Just the ramblings of an old man. Congratulations, my good friend. You've a handsome family, a clan that brings credit to Trouveau and to Mississippi in microcosm and macrocosm. At this I saw Hank's eyes moisten, for new daddies are, in my experience, excessively emotional. Thank ye, says he, before taking his fatherly place behind the wheel. And with that, the pickup left for home, Ambrosia waving to me out the back window as the truck bounced along the dirt road to town. I returned the gesture, resting just a bit more easy that such children as these were in the world. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 